You're listening to STEM Essential, an Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council podcast. Hear from leading advocates and voices about why STEM education is crucial for our world today and tomorrow. Welcome, everybody. I'm Jeff Weld, Director of Iowa's STEM Council. STEM is Iowa's and our nation's edunomic development initiative, where education and economic development merge to improve lives and communities. The voices of leading edunomic developers are heard on this podcast, which is generously co-sponsored by Collins Aerospace and Mid-American Energy, two proud partners of Iowa's STEM Council. Today's guest is Emily Wilkerson of Adel, Iowa. Emily is a student at Iowa State University, majoring in chemical engineering. Emily is also a member of the Cyclone Cheerleading Squad, and she is our student representative on the Governor's STEM Advisory Council. Thank you, Emily, for joining us. Of course, it's great to be here. Well, let's dive right in with a, with a revelation to captivate our audience. Share with us something that few would know about you that had a profound and maybe subtle, maybe not subtle, impact on your STEM professional path and where you want to go. Yeah, of course. Something that I had the opportunity to experience growing up was having an agriculture influence in my life. Um, in Adel, it's a smaller town, so we do have more of those opportunities. I grew up and we raised some cattle. I was in 4-H, FFA, and through FFA, we had the opportunity at my high school to have case programming, and that kind of allowed me to see that oh, I can use my love of science and math, but I can also use it in ag, and I can also use it in many different other fields. So it kind of sparked my interest of being able to see what can I do with this, because I know I like to do this, and it kind of just got me rolling and thinking about what I wanted to do when I was older. And so that's kind of something that helped me get started in the direction that I am. Wonderful. And I take it you must have had inspiring teachers and, of course, supportive parents in this mix. Anybody stand out? Actually, one of my teachers in high school, she was my advisor for high school, Jean West. She was a math teacher, but she had a degree in chemical engineering. So I had the opportunity to, to talk to her kind of about what she did with that and different opportunities. And that helped me decide to go into chemical engineering and understanding that it is a broad engineering degree that I can do a lot of things with. Yeah, I'm going to want to come back to that major of yours. Um, Well, in fact, let me just do so now. The (laughs) topic of this podcast is, as a representative, your topic is preparing to enter a STEM profession. So Mm -hmm. for you and for me, I want to imagine all those STEM listeners who themselves might be young and considering preparing to enter STEM professions. You chose a major that most people would consider pretty challenging. I mean, there must be an easier way to make a buck. Tell me about that. I mean, does, does engineering and the mathematics and the thermodynamics and the physics come easy to you or what? Some things come easy and some things don't, I'll be honest. I'm not super great with some of the stuff, but I like to be challenged. And so that's kind of what keeps me going and keeps me interested. A lot of my friends and I talk about it. We're like, we don't know what else we would do because we like to be challenged. 
And in high school, I had the opportunity to take some college classes and I took some business classes and I kind of decided, you know, that's really not for me. So I can cross that off the list of things to do. But I also had the opportunity to take some higher level science classes and say, okay, I really like this. I really like chemistry. I can do math. It's not my best thing, but like I can do it and I can work at it. I'll just work hard at it. So I had the ability to combine those things and just keep pushing towards it. And with chemical engineering, it is so broad. There's so many different avenues that you can go down with it. Kind of, I was like, I'm gonna start here because I know this is a good place to start. And I just kind of fell in love with it. So good, good. Well, you say something yeah. really interesting in terms of uh, let's use math as as the example you brought up. You you didn't feel particularly quote you know gifted in math, but you powered through it. And there's interesting international research about learners and schools and the the concept of powering through versus you know gifted and the american mm-hmm. society compared to some others is said in the literature to be more of a you either got it or you don't sort of mentality whereas in asian cultures for example it's very much about what you put in is what you get out and uh, nobody's mm-hmm. born brilliant you grow into brilliant and you've kind of got that mentality of uh, growth mindset you're going to you're going to uh, command the subject, whether you find yourself like naturally inclined to it or not. Did you ever worry that, uh, do I have this? Have I, have I got the ability um, in a culture that says you, you either do or you don't, you're powering through? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I had that. I had those moments my freshman year. I was sitting in some of my classes after like our first exams for the semester and you get it back and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. But then you're like, I'm, I'm going to keep doing, keep going. It's not past the drop date yet, so I'm going to keep going and keep learning. That's my thing. I like, I'm like i a continuous learner. I say learning is fun for me, so powering through it and being able to accomplish something like that is really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Is that internal or external? I mean, is that in your DNA or is that from parents or teachers somewhere? I would say it's a little bit of both. My parents kind of instilled that in me when I was younger that you have to work for what you want and to do great things, you have to put in the work. And so kind of just having that background, it's helped me a lot because I know that not everything is going to be handed to me and I need to put my time in to study and to do things so I can get to where I want to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned in your opening how many high school activities you were involved in. And now in college, in my intro, I mentioned that you're on the cheerleading squad at ISU. And that really makes you an interesting... um, study because I I cannot imagine that too many cheerleaders are STEM majors, engineering majors, and Mm -hmm. not many engineering majors are women, and uh, not many engineering majors are cheerleaders. I mean, all this is is an interesting story. Share with us a little bit of what it's like to cross these two worlds here by day, this uh, um, high demand academic major, and I don't know, by nights up until COVID, cheerleading practice and prepping for games and stuff. How do you span these two worlds? It's definitely a challenge. I would say that I'm the type of person that functions well when I have a schedule and I have things to do. So it kind of falls into my personality of being very overscheduled works well for me. It's definitely challenging having like, especially friends who maybe don't have as much of an academic challenge as me. And when they're like, Oh, let's go do this. I'm like, no, like I need to study. Like I need to put in the time, but there are those on the team that are engineers. And so it's kind of nice having those people to talk about if they've already taken a class that I still need to take or some of the younger members. 
I now have a couple more female engineers on the team. So that's really fun to see and especially a chemical engineer. So I'm kind of like, if you need help with this class, like, let me know. I did this okay in that class or, oh, that class is really hard. Like, be ready to put in your time there. So it's definitely a challenge, but I enjoy it. I enjoy working hard, like I said before. So it's just time management and making sure everything gets done. And sometimes you just, you don't get a lot of sleep and you're running on a lot of caffeine the next day, but it all gets Mm -hmm. done in the end. Well, as hard as you work, as hard as any STEM major and certainly engineering major works, you got to have a pretty serious... uh, blow off steam outlet and that must be what the practices are for you an escape or relief which which sport are we going to see you on the sidelines of football basketball wrestling you can hopefully fingers crossed with covid and everything we'll get we do football volleyball men's and women's basketball and gymnastics so there's a chance you could see me at any of those games Uh, busy fingers crossed we're all watching sports this fall and winter yeah well emily the theme of the podcast overall is current conditions and future outlooks so um specific to stem education so let's start with current conditions for you personally how does this moment in time look for stem education especially in the near-term present like covid and virtual uh, and then maybe we'll extend into, you know, years. But let's talk now about recent, this spring and summer and fall. For this ending spring semester, I think with everything going virtually, it did present a challenge for STEM education. Sometimes STEM classes are just easier to understand in that face-to-face format. So that was something that I personally struggled with, was not having that ability to directly interact with my instructor and having to sign into a WebEx meeting or send questions via email and maybe not get the explanation I would in person. So I think that condition hopefully will be changing with COVID. We're supposedly, we will have fall classes in person as of right now at Iowa State. So that's very exciting. But I think having this opportunity to be virtual and understand what challenges it did present for the students allows us to take a step back and say, this was a challenge. Now, what can we do to make this easier for them in the future? Or what do we need to change with our system so far to make it more seamless? And I do have to say, Iowa State did do a really great job for making the transition very seamless. All of my instructors are very kind and very understanding in that transition, which is very nice. Good of you to acknowledge. I think it's astounding how education has essentially been rebuilt, mm-hmm. reinvented within weeks. Yes. Whoever would have thought we could all pull that off, but a tribute to your professors and to the teachers and parents and students of Iowa and across the country for this agility. We're going to go into that in a minute, uh, but before we do, let's continue this um, Emily story of the future. So that's your near-term future, the adaptations that have taken place, chemical engineering in particular. I'm sure you're, you're in hands-on coursework, organic chem mm-hmm. and what have you, and uh, virtual is not quite the same. But let's go into the further future. Let's go two, three, four, five years out. Um, What's your story going to be? Where are you headed? In the future, I would definitely like to be involved with the biomedical side of chemical engineering. Iowa State offers a biomedical engineering minor, so that's something that I'm taking advantage of. 
I'm considering going to grad school. I haven't fully decided. It's definitely on my list to seriously consider because I would love, love, love to work in the medical industry with technology and just to be a part of that innovating and changing, just continually bettering things for us is definitely something I want to be a part of. So I don't exactly have a direct plan so far, but I have my general idea of what I would like to be a part of. And hopefully here in the near future, I'll kind of settle down on what that exactly is. But I know for sure that I would like to do work in the biomedical industry and having the ability to have chemical engineering and biomedical engineering in my undergrad is definitely going to set me up really well for the future. Absolutely. You know, a lot of folks, myself included, have weighed in on the impacts that this pandemic is going to have on, on future professionals. And we, we guess and hope that somehow this will spawn a wave of interest in the fields of medical science mm -hmm. and health and computer science and epidemiology. And am I hearing in your response that this crisis has solidified or steeled your um, career aspirations? Yeah, I do think it, it has. Definitely watching everything happen. I've been talking with my family about it and how it's so interesting to watch what they do to help combat everything and what can we do in the future and kind of thinking, okay, how does this apply to what I do? What do I do and how can I help in the future to help prevent something like this or help treat something like this? So it's definitely proven my point that I want to be in the medical side of things with engineering. So it's definitely helped with that, I think. All right. Well, if it's if we're going to have a pandemic, the, the silver <laughs> lining is it's going to spur the interest of a lot of talented uh, young people. Uh, do you have role models or heroes in the field that you look toward and say, I want to be like X? I wouldn't say I have specific role models. I kind of just look at our department as a whole at Iowa State and the professors especially. We get paired with a mentor. So I have a mentor for if I need help with classes or anything. And it's based on you fill out this survey your freshman year when you're in engineering 101. And what are you interested in for chemical engineering? What parts of it do you like? And I got paired with Dr. Bratley at Iowa State. And just seeing the research that she does definitely keeps me motivated, keeps me seeing that there's things going on and changing. And to be able to be a part of that in the future would be amazing. Yeah, she sounds inspiring. And I'm sure there, I know some of the faculty there at ISU and they are very inspiring people. When you got to ISU, did you, you knew engineering, obviously. Did you knew it would be chemi? And if not, what convinced you that was the area to go into? I did go in declared chemical engineering, so that was kind of nice. Decided that before, just with the help of my family and friends, that that was the place for me to start. I was kind of deciding between chemical engineering and a biochemistry degree, and I decided, you know, I'm going to go for the engineering because if I get in there after one year, maybe even one week, who knew, and I just didn't like it, I could always change, but... Going in and just having an open mind definitely helped me, and I was able to see that I really do enjoy it. Fabulous. What's the gender ratio in your classes, the chem-e classes, male to female? 
For camis, we have a pretty good ratio, actually. I think we're one of the more female-involved engineering degrees at Iowa State, so that's nice. It was a little intimidating at first. I was part of a learning community group for my major, so that definitely helped me see it. It was kind of funny. My best friend now here at Iowa State was the only other girl in that learning community, so it was kind of like, hey, hey, we're the only ones, okay, but definitely getting more into my classes. The ratio is pretty good and everybody is so nice. So it's not hard to talk to people and make friends with all of them. Good. Wonderful. Wonderful for those coming behind you to know. In fact, I'm going to ask you a question about those who are following. I want you to think about the 12 year olds across Iowa and across the country who might listen to this or might have parents who listen to this and uh, they're toying with STEM fields as a possible direction, their parents and, and their chemistry kit and uh, mm-hmm. their uh, Boy Scout or Girl Scout troops are doing STEMI stuff. Um, what's your advice to those 12 year olds, especially the girls, but really every, every kid, boys and girls, as to why pursuing a STEM field over all the other fields and majors at all of our universities, why you would say these STEM areas are the fields to look close about going into? I would say the main thing is because they're so diverse. STEM isn't just chemistry, it isn't just like math. You have the ability to use those parts of STEM in a degree that will take you places that you've never thought before. I never thought I could have a degree where I could learn about making different materials like materials engineering, which is something that I looked into. And having the ability to just see them and especially at a young age, I would say stay open, be open minded with them. They're not scary. They may seem scary, but they're not. And just having the ability to explore them is definitely something to take advantage of and just see what is out there because there's so many different options out there. And there's so many things different from what I decided to do that you could go into with STEM. Yeah, I love that. It's not easy, but it's worth it. And mm-hmm. anything of value, sometimes you got to struggle a bit to get there. And I, yes. I worry sometimes that we in STEM uh, aren't honest enough about it is hard at times. But mm-hmm. if you persevere, it's so worth it when you shape uh, medical uh, treatments and the sorts of things you're going to be able to do someday. Tell us about a learning experience you've had, either in a class at ISU, in a laboratory, or something you read, or maybe it was out of school at a zoo or a museum or nature center or whatever, Um, something you learned lately that kind of blew your mind. It was so shockingly interesting. Yeah, of course. Something that I actually experienced this semester was one of my classes. It was Chemi 356, which was our Transport Phenomena 1 class. And this class, I'll be honest, it was kind of a struggle for me at first because it was having to think about things that I didn't necessarily think about them that certain way before. But being able to sit through the class and kind of watch myself evolve from test one to test four, just like looking back at the understanding that I'd gained through this class. And even though I did struggle through this and it wasn't my best class at Iowa State, I'll be honest, it was very much a struggle, but just kind of seeing like, wow, like I can do this. This is definitely 
straight chemical engineering stuff that will be used in the future. And maybe I'm not the best at it at first, but I saw myself evolve and just be able to kind of grab the bull by the horns and say, like, let's go. We're going to do this. We're going to learn it and just move on. And it was just really cool to see. Who do you lean on when you encounter a difficult unit or a difficult class and you're struggling and you're looking in the mirror and there's some self-doubt creeping in? Who's your go-to? I usually will FaceTime my brother first. He just graduated from Iowa State with a materials engineering degree in December. So not exactly the same thing, but he knows the engineering struggles. So I'll usually call him and he'll like be like, oh, yeah, it's okay. And then he'll eventually tell me, you know, just like put yourself back together. Like the world's not ending. You'll be fine. <laughs> and then um, just kind of with my friend group at Iowa State, all of us being like, oh, my gosh, was that so hard for you? And they're like, yeah, it was so hard for me, too. I was like, OK, now I feel a little bit better. I wasn't the only one that struggled with it. But also having the ability to get tutoring from older members if they there's a certain class you can sign up for uh, I would say and they can see if there's a tutor for it and it's usually somebody that's a year or two ahead of you that's already taken the class and they'll just kind of show you the tips and tricks that they had maybe figured out in their time so that way you have a better understanding and then you can in later years help other people below you so it's kind of a trickle down effect of everybody helping each other and just having the ability to talk things through. Yeah, you know what I love about that is it's it paints a picture of a social enterprise and shatters a myth about the STEM major as this lone brainiac, you know, loner. It's a very social enterprise. Mm-hmm. People propping each other up. You've got a social network to help you, and I'm sure uh, equally you are sometimes the one that's offering the help and the encouragement to others, and certainly through your studies. And I know for sure uh, in your profession, the STEM professions are exceedingly social jobs. And I, I don't know that the way we're depicted in the media sometimes and movies, that it's a fair depiction of what it's like to study and to be in STEM school, STEM studies in the STEM profession. But uh, you have definitely uh, painted a more social picture of that. I appreciate. Let's, get, let's talk about um, STEM education more broadly and um, consider the the many threats we face to getting STEM education right in America and um, the hurdles that are in the way and the things that we stumble on and, um, and some of the challenges that lie ahead. If you could narrow it down to just three things, three threats or challenges between where we are now, 2020, we have a STEM council, we're trying to improve STEM education for all young Iowans, and there are people like us across the country trying to do the same in their states and at the national level. What are the three top threats you feel like we need to be watching and being prepared to address and address better than we are right now? I would say one of my three challenges right now that I can identify, we kind of touched on this before, was maybe getting rid of some of the stereotypes about STEM education and STEM fields, they're not, as you described, like the lone wolf persona. There is a support system and you're not on your own in a STEM field because you chose to go into that. Um, The second one I would say is maybe diversifying STEM, showing that STEM isn't just engineering and chemists. There's multiple ways to be involved with a STEM field that maybe isn't necessarily directly one of those stereotypical, so to speak, fields or degree paths. 
And then I would say the third one, and this was discussed at our last council meeting, was the branding of STEM and maybe focusing on that. Will that take our attention away from the programs that we already have going and maybe just taking our time? And should we rebrand? Should we not rebrand? And just how that will play out in the future, I think, is a big part of STEM education. So how do you think uh, at in your high school experience at Adel um, and your collegiate experience at ISU, when you encounter people not in the STEM space, what's their view of you and of STEM generally? Generally, I usually get the, oh, wow, you do that. Yeah, yeah, I can't do that. That's usually the first thing that people will say. And I just want to be like, yes, you can. Like, there's so many parts of STEM that maybe aren't as advertised, so to speak, but there's still parts of STEM and they're still important and it's ways to be involved. Maybe if you don't want to do what I do, because not everybody's going to want to do what I do or want to do what the person next to them does, but just kind of getting rid of that, oh, I can't do it mindset because it looks scary. That's usually the first reaction I get. So just kind of seeing that and being like, there's more to it, I promise. It's not just this. How would you respond to people who uh, talk as if STEM is this solitary, um, narrow niche or slice of the academic pie? It doesn't intersect with creativity or innovation or history or social studies or economics or um, the arts or whatever. What's your take on how STEM does or does not intersect with other ways of knowing or learning or doing? I would kind of just maybe say, I think of it personally like a web. STEM is this broad web and you can get to many different things on it. It's not just so narrow, as you said, because we're innovators, but we're not the only innovators. There's innovators in non-STEM fields. And how do we need those innovators to help our inventions? And how do they need us to help their innovations? It's not everything can be done by one person or one field. You have to ask for help. And that's what it comes down to is like realizing that asking for help is okay. And usually asking for help involves somebody that's not in what you do, or maybe they're not directly in what you do. And that kind of shows how everything is connected because we do need each other to move the world forward and to keep having these great innovations that allow us to live the lives that we do and have the luxuries that we do. Well said. And I got to believe that the study of chemical engineering is very dependent on creativity in terms of molecular configurations and architecture and design and, um, and, and beauty and function and the mathematical configurations and ratios. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of disciplines that come to bear in manipulating chemicals. Yes. Very exciting field. You know, on our STEM Council, as you mentioned, we have grappled with brand and uh, diversifying the view and um, stereotypes. What ideas do you have about these three challenges, especially those first two, uh, stereotypes and um, diversifying people's views of what is STEM? As a council member, do you have recommendations not only for us, but for everybody listening across the country who wants to push STEM forward, how we can solve those challenges? I would say a simple method, maybe not a quick fix solution, but a way to 
start thinking about how do we get rid of the stereotypes of STEM and show that it is more than just the, sorry to use the word again, but stereotypical fields that we think about is, especially with like trade education, using math and science still in those. So they're still using their STEM skills and finding a way to demonstrate that that's an important part of that field and that ties back to STEM education and getting strong STEM education from an early age helps to do that and helps to get rid of some of the scariness of it because if you see it at a younger age, you're more adapt to it and you've seen it. It's not so, oh my gosh, what is this? It's not, you want me to code, what is that? I can't do that, I can't do that. So having that introduction early on, I think is really important. And then continuing that and showing the diverse opportunities with it. Yeah, I agree. I think the more we can get young Iowans to meet people like you and to meet inspiring people like your professors and the employers of the state, we have good evidence that um, students who get the chance to meet people like you and people in the workplace doing interesting STEM work uh, decide STEM is probably the way I want to go. And staying in Iowa sounds pretty cool because there are cool mm -hmm. people doing interesting work right here in my state and in my town. So we're, we're delighted you're on the council and we can't wait to have uh, Iowa's kids hear from you. Well, let's go from three challenges to opportunities and positive signs we're seeing. So converse to asking you to identify three challenges. Now identify three opportunities, three positive trends or opportunities you're seeing for us to seize and move STEM forward. What's going well or what gives you hope? Of course, there's so many great things going on right now with STEM education, I have to say, with the council itself and then personally being able to go to a high school that was early on in STEM education and that pushed for everybody to take those classes for even if you're not a brainiac, so to speak, take those classes. And I think that's something that is amazing and is definitely putting Iowa on the map for STEM education with so many different programs, not only for our students, but what the council does for teachers who want to have that on-the-job experience. How does this relate so then they can go back to their students when they say, well, I'm never going to use math. And they can be like, well, yes, you will. Like, this is how it's used every day. Like, this isn't something you just learn and forget. And I think that's one of the greatest things that I've realized transitioning to Iowa State is I had those opportunities in high school and it definitely shaped my outlook on STEM and allowed me to kind of dive headfirst into what I'm doing. So definitely is a great, great, great thing for STEM education and just having so many people that want to be a part of it and having so many schools that are just open-minded and like, yes, let's do this. It's a new program, but we'll try it. And I think that's what's going to keep us moving in the right direction for keeping STEM education moving forward. Mm -hmm. These are exciting times. Well, you are an optimistic person. You exude hope and you have a future focus and a strong work ethic. That to me is the equation for achievement in STEM. So to end, I want to invite you to reflect and share with the listeners something that's been recent that you either did or you heard somewhere or you read it or you saw something 
or you realize something in some sort of epiphany, what's happened lately, an incident that really gave you hope and inspired you about STEM education here in Iowa or inspired you about STEM education across the country? Give us a, an instant, a thing, an encounter. What comes to mind? The first thing I would say that has to come that comes to my mind is I am part of the Women in Science and Engineering program at Iowa State, otherwise known as WISE. And one of the past email blasts that they sent out, this is something I directly had the opportunity to help out with, but they were talking about all these different camps and just opportunities that we could volunteer at and speak to younger women that are interested in STEM and be part of these camps developing their interest in STEM and just seeing that there were so many different opportunities out there, specifically for women in STEM, but also I know that it extends past women in STEM and to open for everybody that it just, it really excites me to see that there's a younger generation coming up because going into college, I thought I was weird for being a chemical engineering major. People would ask, oh, what are you studying? And I was like, chemical engineering. They're like, oh, okay. Like they didn't know how to talk about it. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's fine. Hopefully I'm making the right choice. And then seeing all this just development for the younger generation is something that really, really excites me. Yeah, absolutely. And that really comes through again and again, your sentiment of the importance of a network, of a community, uh, WISE, by the way, one of the best acronyms in the world. The acronym mm -hmm. speaks to the group, Women in Science and Engineering. Oh, my goodness. Iowa State University chemical engineering major, Emily Wilkerson. Thank you for sharing your compelling vision of STEM with Iowans and our partners across the country. This has been episode four of STEM Essentials a podcast series featuring the voices of edunomic innovation brought to you by the Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council. Thank you for listening. Please join me next week to hear from state senator and former computer scientist Chris Knoyer on the topic of legislating STEM. Today's and all STEM essential podcasts are available at iowastem.gov forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to STEM Essential. This podcast is generously co-sponsored by Collins Aerospace and Mid-American Energy, proud partners of Iowa STEM Council. To learn more and find resources, please visit iowastem.gov.